Welcome to No Compromise Radio, a ministry coming to you from Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. No Compromise Radio is a program dedicated to the ongoing proclamation of Jesus Christ. Based on the theme in Galatians 2 verse 5, where the Apostle Paul said, But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. In short, if you like smooth, watered-down words to make you simply feel good, this show isn't for you. By purpose, we are first biblical but we can also be controversial. Stay tuned for the next 25 minutes as we're called by the divine trumpet to summon the troops for the honor and glory of her king. Here's our host, Pastor Mike Abendroth. Welcome to No Compromise Radio Ministry. It's about time Pastor Steve is back in the house. Pastor Steve Cooley, the Tuesday guy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Question number one, would it be okay for a Christian to be in politics? <laughs> Let me think about that one. <laughs> Anything new in your life? What's going on? Anything new in my life? Good news regarding your wife and uh, cancer uh, treatment follow-ups, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, she's on a medication called Tegresso, uh, which is a mere $15,000 a month. And uh, Hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the first uh, test was very good. I mean, had very positive results, so... Um, she goes in on Monday for a full CAT scan, and uh, the doctor said we should expect similar results then. So we're uh, we're optimistic for now. We're just taking it day by day. Those things make time slow down. Right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. You're just thinking, okay, today versus oh, next week and five months or ten years. I mean, we are we do have you know some short term things that we're looking forward to. I mean, we have a family vacation coming up and things like that. But, you know, overall, yeah, it's just day by day. And you just realize uh, how every single day is just a blessing. And, uh, you know, we, we need to enjoy the time that we're given. I mean, it's one thing to say life is a vapor and to think about it. Well, you know, yes, it, that is true. But then it's also to realize um, what a blessing you know, each and every day is because each and every day is his uh, mercies are new. What's Psalm 90? You know, we always count our birthdays, right? I'll be 62 next week and we're to count our days, I think the psalmist said. Yes, and I'm working on day number... Oh, okay, never <laughs> Did you know at the end of every one of the books in the Psalms, right, there are five books, it ends with a doxology. So that'd be a good thing to look up. That'd be a very, that sounds like a good Sunday night. Uh, I know, message. I know. I heard it from somebody, maybe Robert Godfrey, and I looked it up and I go, that is true. Every book ends in a psalm. Mm. I mean, in a, in a doxology. Mm. Well, today on No Compromise Radio, Pastor Steve and I want to talk about first level issues in theology, second level issues, third level, what do we call this? Primary, secondary, and tertiary. I know. I think one of Paul's uh, uh, amanuensis, uh, one of his scribes, I think he was ter named something like that. Ter Tertiarius. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds like a good Greek name though, doesn't it? <laughs> that is My funny. good friend Tertiarius. Ter what, would it be? what would his name be? Tertius or something like that. Yeah. Turtle man. Certainly not Tartarus. <laughs> anyway... Obviously, everything in the Bible is important. Is that true? I right? think so. Right. Otherwise, Every it wouldn't be there. But everything's not equally important. That's right. So even 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered to you, Paul said, I delivered to you 
as of first importance, right? The gospel that Jesus, actually it says Christ, the Messiah, he died for our sins, was buried, was raised, appeared, ascended, etc. That's the most important message because that's the most important need we have is to get rid of our sins, right? Yes, so, absolutely. So that's, that's at the top. And then there are secondary issues and tertiary issues. <laughs> <laughs> and here's, here's the premise for the day. Steve, why do you think in evangelicalism it is so easy to say this person agrees with me on a tertiary issue, but the primary issues that they um, believe in poorly don't matter? In other words, let's just use an example. Somebody's anti-woke, and so we like that, right? Are we woke? No. Okay. Do we believe in CRT? No. I think that's the initials of Carl Truman, though. I don't know his middle name. Oh, well, name, then I, I, believe in, I believe in Carl Truman. <laughs> he exists. He teaches in a school in, in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Where my nephew's just graduating, as a matter of fact. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. I noticed that uh, Grove City uh, put a, together a big independent report on how they're not woke, right? Remember there are some accusations? Yeah. Yeah. So see how this all relates? Mm-hmm. People are pro- uh, or people are anti-CRT, anti-woke, but let's say they don't have the right view of the Trinity, but we still exalt them, we still promote them, we still go to their conferences. What do you think the psychology is behind that? What's the reason why? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons, I mean, that spring to mind. One is, you know, we live in uh, the Twitter world, you know, Facebook world, social media world. So to just be affirmed in our worldview makes us feel better, right? I think that's part of it. Um, and I think, you know, like even listening to them, I think sometimes can just be affirming, again, sort of in the world where uh, so many things that are obviously true to us are uh, seem counterfactual to the world. So it's just good to hear those truths. I mean, look, if a, if a Roman Catholic or, uh, you know, some other religion, a Mormon or whatever, is saying the things that that we agree with. Sometimes it's just easy to kind of go, well, I, you know, I can relax a little bit because somebody agrees with me. I'm not alone, you know? So there's that perspective, I think. Right. And Steve, do you think that this is a possibility? Somebody, we don't know their theology well because we love celebrities and somebody's got a platform and they put a book out against some cultural issue that we uh, would agree with them on. But then we start digging a little bit deeper, and we move past celebrity. They're just famous. They look good. They've got a big platform, a lot of followers, got a big position at some church or seminary. Then we start digging deeper, and we go, oh, they believe in eternal functional subordination. Uh, they believe uh, in eternity past in the nature of the triune Godhead, his nature, ontologically speaking. The son is subordinate, and the father is always superior. And we go, hmm. That's not, that's not Orthodox Christianity, and now we know, and now it's almost too late because we like that person, and he was against the cultural things we were against. But, but I think it even goes beyond that because I think that the church at large, I think most of our congregations, maybe even many pastors, wouldn't know what, the, what those issues are that you're even talking about. I mean, I, you, you know, in other words, if we live in a world, and we do, where somebody like John Hagee can gain popularity because he's pro-Israel, right? And we all, I, I think to some extent, we like Israel. So then, you know, 
it, it takes a little bit of digging to understand that he's ab- an absolute heretic, right? So I, I think if if something that easy, I mean, I get people who ask me from time to time, what, what do you think about John Hagee? And they're, they're in favor of him. And I'm like, okay, if they don't get that part, then other people who are... Um, who vary from historical Christianity at more subtle points, right? That's just going to blow right back past people. They're not going to get it at all. Mike, even draw Steve Cooley on No Compromise Radio. Steve, I found the verse, Romans 16, verse 22. I, Tertius, T-E-R-T-I-U-S. I was close. Uh-huh. It, it could, be, could be Tertius. I've heard it, you know, both ways. This is kind of like, you know, people are called Trey, right? Because they're the third... Here, I'm the third who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. So you know what we should do? Remember, uh, our old pastor would say things like, well, who wrote Romans? And then the person would say, Paul. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? And now we can say, what about Tertius? (laughs) (laughs) They took turns writing. I mean, he said it right here. He writes it uh, here as a scribe or secretary of the letter. I I think here's another illustration, Steve, uh, example. People like Moscow, Idaho, and St. Andrews, and Canon Press, and Christ Church, and they like Doug Wilson, blog and May blog, because he writes well, he's interesting, etc., and he's for our Republican Judeo-Christian rights or something, and so we say, well, we like him because he's a culture warrior. Yeah. He, he has our worldview and, uh, you know, all the peccadillos of uh, everything that's gone on up there. And somehow those just kind of get steamrolled because they're not important because he's on our side. Well, to me, this is one of these primary, secondary, tertiary frameworks that I look through with the evangelical world and say to myself, well... He's kicked out of his denomination years ago for denying sola fide, although he gives, you know, I, I, I believe it kind of thing. But still, I'll, I'll trust the churches that did all the work, the Presbyterian churches and Naparks, different, you know, associations. And so sola fide is different. Federal vision, uh, whether it's new perspective on Paul somewhere else, but they're federal vision. But, you know, he, he really writes well. <laughs> And I just can't, I guess maybe I could do it this way, Steve. Can't I find somebody else who writes well, who's orthodox on sola fide? Wouldn't that be a better route? It would be because if we're just going to go on those who write well, you know, there are all sorts of fellows that we ought to, you know, lionize. I mean, people want to talk about George Orwell sometimes, but we don't get our theology from him. You know, Mark Twain, very interesting humanist and with great perspectives on many things. Um you know, he's not a theologian or not a good theologian. So, so yeah, I, I think the fact that the man can write well uh, is not a reason to support him or follow him or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, Steve, I'm even thinking about somebody like C.S. Lewis. Obviously, he writes well. Obviously, he has some insight. You read screw tape letters or you uh, listen to him talk about suffering and his wife and life and death. And uh, obviously, there are things there. But I've never really been that big of a fan because he's got so many other problems. Purgatory, last rites, baptismal regeneration, Job isn't real. I mean, the list goes on and, you know, doesn't believe in penalty substitution. And I go, can't I just find somebody else? I mean, I'm getting the point now, Steve, where I'm 62 almost. I can't read every book that I want to read. 
before I die. Right. I mean, I don't need to buy one. I think my wife echoes the sentiment. I don't need to buy one more book and I could be reading the books I do have for the rest of my life. True. But it's fun to buy books, isn't it? <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> and therefore, I have to pick and choose wisely which books I want to read. So why don't I read books that really, I don't have to say to myself, well, you know what, they're really against CRT, uh, but they have a, a, a semi-Aryan view of the Trinity. That's crazy. It's, it's well, I, it's crazy for us because we, we want to... We want to make sure that we stand in a long line of faithful men, carefully handling the text, not being uh, innovators in any sense in terms of theology. So, but but I think for many many people, you know, I mean, it, it's like would they rather read a book by, um, you know, Steve Wellam or uh, or Bill O'Reilly? You know, I mean, it's like because we know O'Reilly's on our side. That that O'Reilly's okay, you know. Uh, so I, I think because he does have a new book out. Uh, yeah, what is it? Killer of the kill, killing, killing the killers. Killing the killers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I, I don't know why they went after a rock band, but I digress. Uh, I, I thought of the same thing. <laughs> but but it it really is. I I think so. It's so easy for us as Christians to get lost in the culture wars and to forget what we're really to be about. Which you know, if we're going to be uh, faithful in terms of making disciples. Well, how do we do that? And the issue isn't finding great wordsmiths. The issue isn't finding people who agree with us on social issues. The issue is finding people who are uh, faithful to the text and to, and and listen and to historical Christianity. Totally agree, including a right view of the Triune God. Yes. When you think of making disciples, Steve, uh, I when I think of it and you think of it, you, you go to Matthew 28, of course, and the Lord Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So we're about disciple making, baptizing them in the singular name, there's one God, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons or three subsistences, however you want to phrase it. And that's pretty important to Christianity. You can't make a disciple unless they start with who is God. And God has revealed himself as an eternal God, one essence, one nature, one will, three persons. And then in the incarnation, of course, we have the Lord Jesus. And now he has two wills because he has two natures, human and divine. And all of a sudden, before we know it, we're, we're, we're thinking about who God is. And we go, well, no, what? I don't want to I don't want to use my brain to think about that because I've got culture, cultural issues I need to be involved in. I've got important battles to fight, <laughs> right? The, the, nature of, the nature of the Godhead, the nature of Jesus Christ, that's not important. What's really important is that people agree with me about abortion. But don't you think that's, that's just kind of something we have to guard ourselves against? Because if people say, well, I like Fox News, but then they've got some, you know, Jenner's on Fox News and liberals are on Fox News or, you know, like, isn't there anyone who can agree with me on such and such? Don't they have my values? Then we find a person who is an evangelical Christian and then they have our right views. And so, hmm, they're good on that. They must be good on everything else. But if they're bad on the Trinity, I say we have to say, well, teach the person the right view. And until they change their view on the Trinity, I can't have them come and speak at the church. 
You know, Reagan once said that the most dangerous words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I came, you know, and I'm here to help. I'd like to say the most dangerous words in evangelicalism today are, I'm a Christian. Because many people say it and they have absolutely no idea what that means. Um, if you can't explain the gospel, and I talk to people like this, I know I talk to people like this on a daily basis. They say they're Christians, but if I say, what's the gospel, they won't be able to answer that question. If I, And worse, if I say, what's the Trinity? I, I just don't know if people would have a clue how to answer that. Now, I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, to quote, well, Matthew Barrett said, you know, I, I, I wouldn't expect that. But pe- people just typically say, well, you know, uh, it's kind of like mm, a three-leaf clover. Or That's, that's modalism, Patrick. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they're going to give all kinds of analogies, and I need the Lutheran guys to sort of slap uh-huh. them down. Yeah. Shell, albumin, yolk, yeah. right, like an egg. Yeah, it's water, it's uh, <clears throat> steam, it's ice. Gregory of someplace, I don't know which someplace, they all start with ends. That's where the good Gregories are from. He said, you, could, you can't use any human illustration on earth and then think about God as triune. In other words, it has to be revealed information because it's, God is not like the creation. I thought that was really good. Yeah, the analogies are always going to fall apart. Well, maybe I could put it this way, Steve, and this is true. You have two books. One book is really good on the Trinity and explaining who Jesus is, uh, how he learns obedience, uh, how he's uh, submitting to the Father's will as the incarnate Son, yet in eternity past by nature, ontologically co-equal, same essence, you know, there's no subordination in eternity. I've got that book, but I know deep down that guy's woke, but he's right on the Trinity. I've got another book, and the guy's anti-woke, and he's right about it, but I know he's got some hinky stuff on the Trinity. Which book do I like better? I mean, that's really what what we've come to. Of course, I'm not woke. I hate it. But you go, well, at least he's got the Trinity right. I think that's a higher issue than woke, and maybe his view of the Trinity will filter down into the woke. Maybe it will. I mean, I I think on the other hand, it depends on what I'm reading for, right? If I'm if I'm okay, good, fair. If I wanted to grapple with cultural issues for whatever reason, then I'm not going to pick up the guy who's got the solid you know, Trinitarian views, but on social issues, he's, you know, in in la-la land and vice versa. I like that. Uh, Jordan Cooper is a Lutheran, and he's got a video channel and sometimes interesting stuff. Here's what he said. The fact that people will unite with these guys who are heretical on the most basic Christian doctrine and do conferences with them because they have the same cultural enemy? Like, get your priorities straight. What are you doing? Mm. Jordan Cooper. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are many, I mean, not that, you know, let's see, when was the last time I was at a major conference where I was a speaker? Hmm. Never. Okay. So... Now, now, anybody who's listening needs to have Pastor Steve come and do a conference. He's willing and able to do it. Uh, you've only you've done two, I think, haven't you? Yep, two, two new conferences. Yep, where I was the sole speaker, uh, pretty much the, the only guy. But, but, but here's they the thing: invited you back. It, it, well, kind of, they did. Yeah, if if I was on the marquee, you know, with with a bunch of these 
other guys, and um, and I knew that they held wrong views on the Trinity and whatnot. I'd, I'd be wondering why I was there, because essentially when I share that stage with them, I'm I think I'm affirming them, right? And I don't really want to. You know, it's great that we all agree on. CRT on, you know, different social issues. But so what? I can get that at the local Roman Catholic church or at the mosque or at the, you know, I, I can get it in a lot of places. Um, but I think theological conferences need to be theological. Speaking of which, changing gears just for a moment or shifting down into second, Together for the Gospel, did you watch it this year at all? I did not. Did you know they had a master seminary alumni uh, speaker there, Bobby Scott? Oh, I did not know that. Uh huh. Good for him. And uh, well, good for him. But he's, in my opinion, woke, and it's it's you know Dever's the one that re-asked Platt to come back after Platt's debacle last time, and then you've got John Piper who said I don't know what about justification, crazy stuff like in his new book on saving faith. And then you got Bobby Scott there. Uh, let's use critical race theory as a tool kind of thing. And I think, man, the world is wrong side up. Yeah. I mean, if we're together for the gospel, why are we, why are we talking about those things, right? We're together for the gospel. Now, tell, let me tell you where all you guys are not together with me. I know. Let's look at the landscape of T4G. And you know what? I don't think it's ethnically diverse enough. I look at the different speakers, and I don't think they're ethnically diverse enough. I'm like, I, don't even, well, I mean, why did Bobby Scott even get invited? Uh, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a gripping uh, conference, the Ethically Diverse Conference. Steve, I'd like to know this. Uh, you preached Romans That's 9 the other day. I mean, what kind of associate pastor, when the pastor's gone, would preach Romans 9? You know, thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I'm glad you did. And I will listen. You're preaching that. And so I'd like to know out of the five to 10 commentaries you looked at, you know, in the old days, we'd look at 20 or 30 commentaries. Sometimes I look at 40. Uh, Now I just do a few, few select ones. Um, If you looked at John Murray, he's white. That's Romans. Mm -hmm. I know it's a good commentary, but he's Mm -hmm. white. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robert Haldane, Mm -hmm. white, Mm -hmm. right? English. Yeah. Um, the first guy Scottish, second guy's English. Who else did you look at? Calvin Hendrickson, uh, White. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say that probably everybody I looked at was uh, uh, Leon Morris. You know, White. Uh oh, uh oh. This is see. There's a serious problem here because these mm-hmm. truths are looked at from different ways. You don't know the inherent biases that you have when you're doing things <laughs> like this. Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard? It is utterly ridiculous. I never think about what somebody's color is anyway, well, well, let, me let alone a commentary. Were the authors of Scripture ethnically diverse? <laughs> well, they were darker skinned than we were, okay. uh, allegedly. Okay, but were they ethnically diverse? Or did they all share one view of the world? Come on, Simon, uh, Simon uh, Cyrene. Uh, Cyrene, I think that's Africa. I don't know what's going on there. Something's, something's got to give. Modern day Libya. I, all that idea, you know, that, that I, I think, you know, diversity speaks only in terms of our experiences in the world. It should not touch what is true about God or true about Scripture. 
should not it does not touch what's true about the gospel. So this whole idea that, you know, together for the gospel and we're not diverse enough, diverse enough about what, right? The color of our skin should not have anything to do with the way we interpret scripture or the way we uh, the way we look at the gospel. It's the, it's the evener, not the not the separator. When someone like that guy got together for the gospel starts talking about what do our churches look like and what's the ethnic diversity of our churches and how churches need to reflect this, that, and the other, I'm just thinking, do these people even know what they're saying? Because what do you do if there's a town in Iceland? What do you do if... The, I've been to churches in Africa where they're all black. I'm the only white guy there. What, 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 what do we do there? What if the church is just supposed to reflect, I don't know, the glory of God? You know, <laughs> and the community the, from whence it, you know, yes, where it, <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's would be summarized by don't get your theology from celebrities and make sure primary things are primary and tertiary things are from I tertius. Tertius, Mike Abendroth, Steve Cooley, No Compromise Radio Ministry. You can write us, um, Mike at NoCompromiseRadio.com. No Compromise Radio with Pastor Mike Abendroth is a production of Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. Bethlehem Bible Church is a Bible teaching church firmly committed to unleashing the life-transforming power of God's Word through verse-by-verse exposition of the sacred text. Please come and join us. Our service times are Sunday morning at 1015 and in the evening at 6. We're right on Route 110 in West Boylston. You can check us out online at bbcchurch.org or by phone at 508-835-3400.